Welcome to the Raven Bookery Podcast. We are three sisters who love to talk about all things books. And we do a great deal of laughing while we're at it. Today we'll be discussing the book My Plain Jane by Cynthia Hand, Brody Ashton, and Jody Meadows. Okay, before we get talking about the book. Le book. El libro. Das Buch. <laughs> What's your Limbo. most common compliment that you receive? Oh, right. You had all evening. To I think know about I had it. all evening. I warned you that this was going to be. I know. One. I just. I. This is my flaw. I don't remember compliments. Really? That's damaging. I know it's damaging. That sounds like a Jane Austen quote. The difference between you and me is compliments always surprise you, and me take never. You by, take, you take you by, you by surprise. surprise, and me never. And me never. That is an actual Jane Austen quote. Is that from Emma? Or is that just a general Austen no, quote? No, I think it's from them. I think it's uh, Pride and Prejudice. I think, I think it's Elizabeth and Jane. I think it's oh. Elizabeth talking to Jane. Yeah. That does feel like something. Yeah, it's Elizabeth very Elizabeth to Jane. Yes. All right. Yeah. You guys go first. I My most it. recent one My I actually most. thought of. The You're one that I hear the most common lately uh-huh. is my hair. <laughs> <laughs> is it really? It is. Uh, it was like a couple of days ago. I was randomly asking someone for directions and they saw me and like, oh, I love your hair. <laughs> oh, thank you. Now, can you please tell me where this person's office is? <laughs> and then when I first met my current boss, like one of the first things she said to me, I love your hair. Thank you. It's overgrown but i appreciate that it still obviously looks like i'm trying <laughs> is it the style or is it the fact that yeah do you think gray. it's the style or is it the color Ooh, i don't know i think it might be the color i've assumed it's the, the style. style because it's not Which... a not a typical style you see or it could be the color so my hair cut wise it's an undercut all around the sides and then it's uh, really long floppy on top um, kind of like an extreme part like a you know not like middle part and not a side part it's like further side than a side part um, so I just assumed it was the hairstyle but it uh, it could be the intensive gray streaks through it <laughs> <laughs> those are pretty obvious too so I don't know because that was my most common compliment is, I love your hair, or you have gorgeous hair. Yeah. It happened twice in the last two days. Like, um, today and yesterday it happened. Um, both parents at the school, um, one of them was just, I was walking through the office and a parent who, like, dreadlocks, like super cool. She just talking to me, I love your hair. I'm like, oh, thank you. That's so nice of you. And then today's was a parent in the, in her car, in the drop-off lane. She, and I was like walking kids across the, the crosswalk. So, you know, they don't get hit by the car. All the good things. Um, and she like leans out the driver's side window. I know you get this all the time, but I just want to tell you, I love your hair. It's gorgeous. Like, oh, thank you so much. So when I was younger, it was because it's full and thick <laughs> yeah. and shiny, right? Yeah. Yes. Like all the good things. Yeah. All of the things. Yeah. All um, the shampoo commercial hair. All the shampoo 100%. commercial hair things, right? Didn't do anything with it. Whatever. 
got the hair for it, not the face. Ma. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now it's like mostly it's because of the color because I I let it go gray, which like you know we all went gray young. I yes. pulled out my first gray hair when I was twelve. Me too. Um, I tell so, people that, and they're like, "What?" And it wasn't a short one. It wasn't no. like, ooh, it was a little bright. It was a long yeah. gray hair. Like, oh, you've been growing for a couple of years now. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's genetic, right? Like, yeah. our yeah. grandma's mom had, like, snow white hair by the time she was 16. Yeah. So it's, now it's, oh, I love your color. That is so beautiful. There are, you know, those are the nice ones. And there are some that are the, you're so brave. <laughs> you're so brave. Uh, I'm sorry, what now? No, this Thank is just this is straight up lazy. I don't want to diet. That's <laughs> expensive. It's brave for me to look natural? Natural? So, yeah. What? I, I have more... I feel weird calling it gray. They're full white hair. It's yeah. white yeah. hair. Um, so I think I have more white hairs than you do. Yeah. But I think they might also just be concentrated because mine came in full, like, on the sides. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, like, Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had that yeah. full, like, on on my temples. They went white real Super fast. Super cool because, like, then when, it you, was, when your hair yeah. was down, you couldn't, you couldn't tell it. You couldn't tell. And then you pulled your hair back and it's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Super which cool which streaks. totally fits because my favorite X-Men when we were growing up was always Storm and she had white hair. Mm-hmm. So I always I loved her. Like, That's true. I do like Storm. She's which is kind of a bad A. Yeah. All right, Lucy. Most common compliment. I love your smile. I love your eyes. I love your clothes. I love your shirt. She's just fishing for compliments. <laughs> no, because I think the most common compliment that I've gotten, it's probably something along the lines of, like, you're nice, or, like, you're, like, a good person, or... You're a good like, listener. Or like, like, was like, oh, you're so good. Thank you. Like, yeah. oh, you're so nice. Thank you. Those kind of, th- those kinds of compliments. Yeah. I, th- I think those are the, the most common. Yeah. That, that I've gotten, which is really funny because <laughs> in my conflict management class last semester, my professor, she, that the last, last day of class she was giving out like compliments and commending certain students that were that did a good job throughout the semester because we had to do a lot of different role playing and step into like you're a mediator now or you have to play this role of a disgruntled employee kind of a thing, um, and she uh, <laughs> she got to me and basically she said it in better terms but she basically called me hard headed and stubborn. Oh. <laughs> But like, I mean, it was, I can't. <laughs> I can't remember the exact words, and it, she said it very, very nice, and it was true for that, uh, for that class that I did not hold back on my opinions, and mm. like, if you asked me to take a stand on something, whether it through like role playing or an exercise or whatever, I will take that stand, and I will be firm on that stand, and. I guess she wasn't expecting that because <laughs> we there is an assessment that we did at the very beginning of the class to determine what your conflict style was, and mine is very much avoidance. Oh, like mine it, would be violently aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> but so mine was hundred percent, like eighty to ninety percent avoidance. Like if it was a hard conversation that I don't want to take and I don't want to have it, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not going to say it. 
But then throughout the class, I was then more aggressive in mm. my conflict section. Maybe but. because your conflict resolution involves just with people you know and care about. Yeah. With strangers, it's a, I don't give a crap. Yeah. Or it's, I know this is a... a flying crap? A flying crap. In space. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> so your, uh, your compliment from your professor reminded me of my superlative from senior year of high school. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, because it was small class, everybody got a superlative, right? Oh, yeah. And they handed them out. It was kind of like our senior awards assembly. And mine was, uh, the calm demeanor that hides the biting wit. Well, then. That oh, was, geez. that was mine. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> um. Okay. It might not have been biting, but it might have been the clever sh- wit, the, the sharp wit or something like yeah. that. But it was the calm demeanor that hides the sharp wit. Huh. All okay. right. Thought I did better at hiding from you people, but okay. <laughs> you people. Apparently not. Cool, cool, cool. All right. My plain Jane. Le book. Someone want to give the uh, brief synopsis of what it's about? Ooh, pick me. Do it, Anne. <laughs> Take it away, because this was a book that I read because of you. It is. I can't remember if you bought... I think you bought me this one, and I bought the other one. I probably went to buy you the other one, too. But they didn't have it. That's what... Barnes and, it was out of stock at Barnes & Noble. Um, I know you bought me so this one. These were recommended to me by somebody. 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 <laughs> um... I, like, I honestly can't remember who recommended it to me. I would have thought it was you, Lisey, but... Because I did read My Lady Jane, which is... Did the... you read My Lady Jane mm-hmm. first? Uh-huh. So maybe that's what it is. And then I read My Lady Jane, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. And then I rec- and then I saw, I'm like, ooh, they have more. There's so they more? have They have several more. So they've got three Janes. So My Lady Jane, My Play Jane, and My Calamity Jane. Yep. And then I think they've just branched out into the Marys. Yes. So they have my scary Mary and my imaginary Mary. Uh, contrary. Oh, not scary Mary. My contrary Mary. Thank you. Yeah. Scary Mary is what I was calling the Mary Shelley one, but it's my imaginary Mary. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so my contrary Mary, which is Mary Queen of Scots, my imaginary Mary, which is Mary Shelley, who mm-hmm. wrote Frankenstein. Um... But this one, my plain Jane, basically takes the novel of Jane Eyre written by Charlotte Bronte and infuses some other interesting aspects into it. So the things that I liked about it were, um, it, it followed, not that it follows perfectly the Jane the Eyre Jane story, Eyre story but mm-hmm. like there's a lot of... It hits the... The it hits big the plot big, points yeah. of Jane Eyre. So it's the you know, Jane Eyre is the character is one of the main characters in the book. She's at this school where she's at hor- Lowood School. A Lowood school where horrible things happen. It's not a good Except place. Mr. Brocklehurst doesn't die in I don't think he dies in Jane Eyre. See, and I've never actually so read Jane Eyre. You never read Jane Eyre? No. It this was is one that I have actually read. It was, you read Jane Eyre? Yeah. I've okay. tried. Several times, and it was just one of those. It's like reading Dickens. I'm like, I just can't do it. I, mm, I can listen to it, but I can't. Oh. Charlotte Bronte's writing is very much a cross between Charles Dickens and Jane Austen. Yeah, but heavy on the Dickens part, where I'm just like, it's definitely more of the 
it deals more with the supernatural, like Jane Eyre, the original Jane Eyre, mm-hmm. deals more with the supernatural kind of stuff. Not like full-on ghosts like a Charles, like Charles Dickens would, mm-hmm. um, but hints of it or yeah. or thoughts or feelings of it, you yeah. know. Whereas Jane Austen is more just the romance, everyday life kind of yeah of these people. Yes. So in the my plain Jane. Uh, Jane Eyre is at Lowood School, um, and the Charlotte Bronte is a character in the book, so she's good friends with Jane Eyre, because they're both at the same school. Um, the big difference in this book versus Jane Eyre is that, uh, Jane Eyre can see dead people. She's Mm -hmm. what they call a seer, and there's a whole society of... Oh shoot! What is it? The Ghostbusters. Yeah, the society the for society for relocation of wayward, wayward spirits. spirits. Um, and so there is this whole society that goes and basically ghost busts. <laughs> they are These... Victorian England Ghostbusters. Yes, uh, which is fantastic. <laughs> they even have like things that they trap the ghosts in, and then you have to make sure you don't touch it or you'll get possessed, which shows up later in the book and yeah. um, all that stuff. And did, so there were, there was actually Ghostbuster references. Yeah. Yeah. Did you catch those? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Um, which made me giggle. <laughs> I can't remember what any of them are right now, but like um, the items or no, the references. Oh. I know they use the phrase, who are you going to call? Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> yeah, was at like the very beginning. Yeah. yeah. At the very beginning when they're talking about and introducing the society. Yeah. They're, they mentioned a similar phrase, like, who are you going to call? It's like, and they, I think they even use the worms like word of like, Ghana? no, like <laughs> was something strange in your neighborhood. Yeah. I think they use that phrase uh-huh. in the book too. Um, so, fun things like that. So, Jane Eyre has, there's a murder at Lowood School. Yeah. Mr. Brocklehurst dies. She comes in contact with the society member who is a young, dashing Alexander. What's Alexander it? Blackwood. Alexander Blackwood. I found the line. <laughs> Did you find, what is it? It's, if there's something strange in your neighborhood, you could um, write the society a letter and they would probably send an agent to take care of it. <laughs> That's right. Cause it's like, who are you going to call? But you can't call cause it's before in England. So you got to send a letter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, Mr. Brocklehurst is murdered. Um, so the society comes to relocate his ghost and, um, no, 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 the inn. Well, the yeah, inn. they, they came to the inn. Oh, that's right. Okay. So, Jane, not Jane. Yes, Jane. 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 Jane went to an inn to talk to a ghost to see what they're going to do because Jane oh. can see the ghost. She was worried that they were going to come to Lowood and take her friend away because yes. her friend, oh, whose name? It's been a minute Helen. since I finished Helen. Helen. Um, so Jane was worried that the society was going to come and relocate her friend Helen who had passed away when mm-hmm. they were children, um, which is in Jane Eyre. I yes, remember that yeah, bit. Yes. Um, but Helen sticks around with Jane and is her ghost friend, which makes some funny parts in the book because yeah. Jane's the only one who can see her. Anyway. Um, and so she goes to this inn where she knows the society is going to be to relocate this troublesome ghost. And so she's watching this happen. She's watching Alexander Blackwood. Yes. That was his name. Alexander Blackwood. 
um, basically fight this ghost. Um, and then things happen and Alexander sees Jane and recognizes Jane for what he comes to know or comes to discover is called, um, a beacon, an, a beacon. I was going to say an well, oracle. <laughs> it's not an oracle. A he beacon. doesn't, he doesn't know that beacons are a thing actually. No, not yet. No. So yeah, he comes much, to much. discover he that knows that's that what she's, she is. Yeah, so he knows that she's a seer when he realizes that she can actually see the ghost that's mm-hmm. that they're, they're trying, trying to trap and to take care of. Yeah, and then he he tracks her down to Lowood School because the society is kind of crumbling. Un- yeah, underfunded and losing people. And so he's like, "Hey, there's a seer out here. Let's see if we can hire her, even though she's a woman. Even though she's a <gasps> woman. Yes. Shocker." So, so he goes to Lowood School, um, where, while he's trying to recruit Jane for the society, comes across the ghost of uh, Mister Brucklehurst, yeah. and um, he's complaining like, "I've been murdered! I've been You're murdered! You're here to solve my murder! <laughs> murder!" Yeah, things happen. Jane realizes that she can't stay there anymore, so she gets a job as a governess. So Maybe she gets a job at, at Thornfield meets um Rochester. Rochester. She doesn't like fall for him. No, she does. She, I mean not at, at first. first it's more of a like who Ooh. is this guy? He's tall and brooding. He's tall and brooding, but he's she also so recognizes like, like but he's yeah, <laughs> she even <laughs> says that he's so much like Mr. Darcy. Yes. Um but I think she recognizes more that like there is a significant age gap that would be mildly inappropriate, but this is Victorian England, so stranger things have happened. Yeah. And he's my employer, and I'm just a governess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the the interactions between Jane and, and Rochester, Rochester are... Stick to the book. Yeah, they Stick follow, to the original Jane yeah. Eyre story. Yeah. Like, going, having the woman come to the house that he's going to propose to... Yeah. Having the party there and her getting like talked down to, mm-hmm. like all of that follows. Even the fortune teller scene, yes, is in Jane Eyre. Yep. yep, yep. All of that pretty much follows the regular Jane Eyre story. Pretty much every interaction between Jane and Rochester is pretty much part of the Jane Eyre story until, until he proposes. When he proposes, that's when things derail and go sideways and yeah. are a bit different and that, that's when the book kind of <laughs> this book diverges from the original from Jane the original book. Jane so <laughs> before that you also have alexander who has teamed up with charlotte bronte Un- yeah. uh, unwillingly <laughs> unwillingly teamed up with charlotte bronte go to go and go find jane go home miss bronte. Bronte. bronte to go and find jane so that Charlotte can help convince Jane to become part of the society because Charlotte thinks that as soon as Jane's part of the society, then she can get a job in the society and she doesn't have to live at Lowood anymore and she'd be free and she gets to do something really cool. Like, and she can write. Like yeah, and, bust she can ghost, write. and she can write. Yeah. And, and yeah. she can have fun, interesting, good things to write about. Yes. Yeah, so Charlotte Bronte in the book is a character that's almost like she's writing at the same time all of this stuff is going on. And so she's... At first she's writing a murder mystery with the influence of what happened with Brocklehurst. And then, like, as she's following with the society stuff and uh, uh, forcing herself to help <laughs> with uh, Alexander and her brother, who is Alexander's assistant. Um, mm-hmm. So she kind of 
forces her way in to help because she because she wants a job with the society. Um, mm-hmm. But she's like writing the story as she goes of little tidbits and stuff like that. So okay, so what did you like about it? What did you love about it? I like in all of these, all of the ones that I've read in their series. The, the sense of humor that comes out from the authors is really quite interesting. I mean, I like that they break that fourth wall often. So mm-hmm. it's the authors talking tell, to the talking reader, to the reader um, which I think is fantastic. Um, I really enjoy the, like, how they slip in modern references, right? How they had the, the Ghostbuster references in mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um, I like how they talk about you know, they would have called on the telephone, but this was Victorian England, and so they had to do this instead, yeah. or in, you know, 500 years, or yeah. whatever. Not I 500 years, yeah. but, like, in 300 years, this is going to be so much faster, yeah. because of, but now they have to walk and walk <laughs> and work. Or I, there are some where it's, like, uh, because of the manners and customs of Victorian England between men and women. Like, that's why they had to do certain things or whatever. And so sometimes the author, the narrator, would just sum it up as, as well, because Victorian England. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the excuse. Because Victorian England. <laughs> and, like, those are some of my favorite parts, especially with, like, the interactions between um, Charlotte and Alexander. Of which is the real kind of like love story in the book, yeah, yeah, where it's oh, like hitting the boundaries of propriety and what is yeah. what's right and what they should right. do and what they shouldn't do. Some of those scenes were just like, oh. <laughs> okay, I like this. <laughs> okay, what did you like about it, Lisi? Um, I, I like the fact that they took the Jane Eyre story. And they just twisted it a little bit. A lot of it. Um, <laughs> just just the end bits. Just the end Just bits. the whole just ghost. The parts. And the whole thing. Because, I mean, like I said before, like I read Jane Eyre in high school. And it was one of the books that's like, I I really like this. Like, this, this one's actually really cool. And I there were some parts in Jane Eyre that I really, really liked. And so... Uh, the fact that they followed, I mean, they hit the the high no, the high notes, but like the high points and the main points of mm-hmm. the Jane Eyre story in this, but they twisted it in a whole new way, and it just makes me like the Jane Eyre story even more. Just thought of one of my favorite parts, and it was um, so in in this version of Jane Eyre, um, Rochester's wife is not crazy; <laughs> she has just been. Locked up in an attic for fifteen. Years. In an attic for fifteen years, and I think at one point the the authors, even, the narrators, even said like, she probably wasn't mad. She probably she wasn't actually mad, yeah. but you'd probably act crazy too if you were yeah. like this. And and it almost hit on one of those like those feminist kind of a like. Oh, because it talks about, have you noticed that any time a woman's acting a little bit upset that we call her hysterical and say <laughs> she needs a whatever, laudanum or whatever? Yeah. And then she continues, like, because it was that same part where they're saying the more you fight against it, the more hysterical, the more crazy yeah. you seem. And so the mm. more, like, you're pleading your case or, like, you're yeah. you're proving everyone's point that you are 
hysterical and yeah. you just need to be locked up. So, I thought, yeah, I thought that was kind of a funny, like, huh, maybe she wasn't actually crazy. Maybe she's just really badly treated and she's raging against it. Yeah. Okay, so my favorite part is actually my least favorite part at the same time. <laughs> so, I really like the Jane Eyre story. I really like Jane Eyre. And I hate age gap stuff. It grosses mm-hmm. me out. Um, but I like Jane Eyre. I, it's one of those stories that, like, if I was going to teach some type of, not necessarily tragic romance, kind of tragic romance situation, I'd take that one over pff, ugh, Romeo and Juliet any day. <coughs> like, there are some, like... We're not biased. <laughs> there is... What did you say? We're not biased. We're not biased. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet's fine. Um, but like there's just something about the Jane Eyre story I almost feel like the Jane Eyre story is sometimes more romantic than Pride and Prejudice hot take hot take Um, I love your Republican (laughs) (laughs) I love Pride and Prejudice I love Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth I love their relationship. I love everything about it. However, in the Jane Austen writing, there seems to be a lack of really intense feeling, or at least there seems to be a lack of intense expression of their feelings for each other. Right? Okay. Um, I mean, it's there, but it's just not as powerful as what you get with Jane Eyre. So like there are some there are some lines in Jane Eyre that just are like <laughs> um like and they actually mention it in this story too. They use the line which is when Rochester is proposing he's talking about how it feels like there's a string in under my oh. rib cage and it's attached to and it's attached to the string under your rib cage. Like referring and they talk about like their souls being connected and like, oh, it's just, there's so much that's just beautiful about some of the things that are said in Jane Eyre that are just, I feel like it's super romantic. So I kind of got (laughs) bothered that so much of the relationship between Jane Eyre and Rochester is a joke in the story, Mm. right? Which, but there are parts of it that I find hilarious because like Helen Burns, her imaginary ghost friend is watching Jane fall in love with Rochester, right? And Rochester's being his broody, grumpy self, like inviting the woman that everyone thinks he's going to marry over to the house, right? And parading her around and, you know, and Jane's like, oh, but he's blah, blah, blah. And Helen's like, um... (laughs) A reality check, he invited this lady here, so what makes you think, like, this is gonna happen for you, kind of thing. Or, like, when he does something and Jane's like, oh, he's so broody. And I was like, um, he's rude. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Um, so, like, Helen, Helen almost takes on, like, a, uh, uh, what's that show, the Science Theater 3000? Mm -hmm. Oh. Like, a narration of Jane's feelings for Rochester and what's happening. So some of it's kind of funny because it's like, all right, like they can sit here and like poke fun at like Helen being like the realist, like Helen's being the one who's watching the Hallmark movie. It's like, 
you know this is not realistic at all, right? <laughs> like, you know this is ridiculous, right? <laughs> Reminds me of the audio. He is not the love of your life. He is just a guy. Yeah. Hit him with your car. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I did find that really entertaining of, like, poking fun at it uh-huh. kind of thing. But on the other hand, it was like, but you're also making fun of one of my favorites. And I don't know how I feel about it. I like it, but I don't. I know. It's like, I see it, and it's funny, and I like it. But on the other hand, but that's my Jane. <laughs> that's Rochester. Anyway. But I do think it's, I do love everything between Charlotte and and Alexander. Like, Uh their relationship. I like their relationship. It's really cute. I like Alexander. He's... He's sweet. I mean, no. Well, he's not sweet. He's... What's the word I'm looking for? Considerate? He's considerate. Mm -hmm. And, like... Kind of a low bar to set for uh, (laughs) a leading man. When he starts realizing how much he cares about Charlotte, like, Mm -hmm. it's pretty... Like, and there are some powerful moments, too. Like, when Charlotte yeah. thinks Alexander's... Oh. You know? Yeah. That that was a pretty powerful, well-written part yeah. on Charlotte's side of things. Um, so I thought that was... I thought it was good. There's actually a quote that I... When I was reading this, because I was reading it up in, up in McCall. Yeah. And I came across a line, like, ooh... I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down and we're gonna we're gonna use that line on things. What line? Well, it's one of my tabs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I broke you out You came prepared. With Whoa. Yeah, we're gonna talk about it. And y'all had your like tabs on the other book recommendations. Mm, like that's true. mine. It says crying, she told herself sternly, does not indicate that you are weak. Since birth, it has always been a sign that you are alive. Like, yes, I cry a lot. I am alive. (laughs) I am alive, and it hurts to be alive. Okay, here's my favorite quote. Okay, that I highlighted. I took a picture of and highlighted because I would never deface a book like that. It's a sticky note. I know. But yes, I agree. Um, So I would one hundred literally. It's on page five. But this is the exact kind of humor that shows up throughout the entire book, right? (laughs) Charlotte had always known Jane to be a kind, thoughtful sort of person. Even when she was committing murder, she was thinking of others. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's my favorite line. Because Charlotte thought Jane was one who murdered Murdered Brocklehurst at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a part that had me laughing out loud and Josh looking at me like I was crazy um and it's kind of towards the set like the middle of the book and it's Charlotte is still at Lowood wondering how Jane is doing and if she's doing okay um and she she's like she's praying and asking for Charlotte to like something to happen to or something happened to to Jane. To Jane. And she, she's like, she never wished ill on anyone before, but this was serious. Both Jane's and Charlotte's futures were hanging in the balance. Please, she said again, could you send, could you send Jane just a bit of trouble? And that's where the chapter ends. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then the next chapter starts, Rochester's bed was on fire. 
like, well, that's a little trouble there. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Please, careful, careful what you pray for. <laughs> so yeah, I was laughing. I'm like, no, oh, okay, I'm going to have to mark that too. Because <laughs> that was pretty funny. Okay. So here's something that's like, it's, it's a fun book. It's a fun, mm-hmm. kind of silly, ridi- kind of ridiculous sort of book, right? Like, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not a serious story, right? No. Not meant to be taken seriously. Not meant to be taken seriously. So, like, just now, when you say Mr. Rochester's bed was on fire, like, thinking through everything that happens, everything that's revealed about who's who in the book, the whole thing comes back to me, who the crap lit his bed on fire? Oh. Because they kept that in because it was kind of a pivotal point. Yeah, it's a pivotal point in the Rochester Jane relationship. But in this one, didn't it say who lit his bed on fire? I mean, they they he accused Grace Poole of doing it. But Grace Poole works for Rochester. No, Wellesley, the Duke of Wellington. Yeah, she works for him in helping him keep Mrs. Rochester secured, because. Mr. Rochester is Mr. Rochester. <laughs> oh, right. You know yeah. I mean? <laughs> is this a spoiler-free one? Are you I trying? Mean, I guess this is like the book review. This Everyone is the should book have read chat. the book. So, so, in the book, at this point in time, Mr. Rochester is possessed by his dead brother, by his Mr. Dead Rochester, brother, Mr. Rochester, so yeah. that they could keep him in check. Mrs. Rochester is un- under lock and key to keep her in check. Grace Poole Under the is guise of her being crazy. Under the guise of mm-hmm. her being mad. Grace Poole is there to keep Miss Rochester locked up. Everyone else, all the other servants, are under the assumption that Rochester is Rochester and everything on the surface is what it seems to be. Do you think that it was Mrs. Rochester, like in, in the original book, that lit the bed on fire like she escaped somehow and i mean it i mean it could have been like she could have been like lighting the bed on fire like maybe if i kill my husband <laughs> things will get better for the me the spirit will be gone or yeah I, I don't know but they never like they never explain who did it and why cuz wellington wouldn't need to do it the rochesters were in check the way they are mm-hmm. so you wouldn't have grace pool light the bed on fire yeah I think it was Mrs. Rochester that had escaped to, because she was also the one who stabbed, um, Mason, Mr. Mason. She did see, and she did stab Mr. Mason, and you're wondering, why? Why did she stab Mr. Mason? Mr. Mason is her brother, who is also in charge of, you don't find this out until the very last page, her son that her and Rochester had, and she sent to the West Indies so that... Duke, the Duke of Wellington couldn't get to him. Mm-hmm. Right? So, Mr. Mason is, like, raising her son in secret so that the Duke of Wellington doesn't know that they have a son somewhere. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and she's not mad. Even when Jane and Helen go up and see her, right? Yeah, because Jane makes that comment. She didn't seem mad she to me. She didn't seem no. mad. And Charlotte was like, she didn't seem mad. She seemed angry and uh, frustrated. I think they even put, maybe a little dehydrated. <laughs> a little dehydrated. <laughs> but not mad insane. So that was the other thing. So why would she stab Mason? Unless it was an accident and she was trying to stab Rochester. Which still, Rochester is her husband's body. 
She doesn't want to kill her husband's body. Maybe Unless she was trying, was to, get all... the, trying to get the relic off of him. Oh, yeah, because it was around his it neck. It was around his neck. But that that's, like, such a convoluted... I guess it's that... It's a really convoluted way to stick with the Jane Eyre story. With, but they don't explain how that... That's true. Mm. How it that still fits into this new version of the story. So it's, like, little things like that that are, like, we're forcing this a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's not a story to be taken seriously. It's no. a fun, well, silly... Like, I would put it up there with, like, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. <laughs> exactly. It's a Pride and Prejudice and Zombies kind of a situation. Well, and they do that with a lot of their other ones. Um, several of their others are, are histories, right? So they mm-hmm. take the the Mary Queen of Scots is a history, and My even Lady the My Lady Jane is technically a history, and so... Um, those ones are interesting because you have, like, yep, we're true, we're true, we're true, we're true, and then you get a point in the book where you're like, and now we have completely divulged from what history <laughs> tells us is accurate. Yeah. Um, but even in those, there are some things that are like, yeah, that might be how you could explain how this situation happened when people can turn into animals, but yeah. um, probably not. But I think I think it fits with the let's keep as much of the original book in there, this is interesting. It could have been Grace Pool just being. If I kill this man, maybe I will maybe get I a different assignment. Yeah, I don't maybe have to I be don't here have anymore. to stay here. Yeah, yeah, true. Anyway, would you recommend it? I already have. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and have. I would. Yes. Yes, I would as well. The all of the my Jane, all the Janies and the Marys. Mm-hmm. Although I haven't read the Mary ones, but I want to. Yeah. And I've read my Lady Jane. Yeah. I have my Calamity Jane, but I just haven't read it. Um, maybe I'll... I think my Lady Jane was one where it's like within the first couple pages I laughed, I laughed funny. out loud. Yeah. That one was funny. And that's funny. rare. That's really rare to laugh completely out loud. I think for that one, the timing of when it was released and, like, the jokes that they had within the book... Were perfect. Were perfect. Oh, okay. So that was the first book that I got in my f- ever first ever Owlcrate box. Okay. Was My Lady Jane. And I Ooh. was starting strong. <laughs> right? Well, it was for my birthday and it was about royalty. I'm like, yes, let's go. <laughs> And I, I, I remember I read it right after I got the box, and it was just hilarious. And it was a brand <laughs> Emphasis on the hilarious. <laughs> um, but it was a brand new release, and so it was very on with what was happening in the world and things that were still, like, popular. I'm talking really? about Tangled was one of the jokes in there. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. Well, give it a read. If you have any of your own commentary, let us know. If you liked it, if you read it, read it this month, then yeah, let us know. <laughs> if you liked it, cool. If you didn't, maybe Sorry. tell us why. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, you don't have to like everything. This is true. You are entitled to your own opinions. Okay, okay love, love you. Bye. bye. Thank you for listening to the Raven Bookery podcast. Follow us on Instagram at raven underscore bookery. Check out all our original book-inspired designs for great gift ideas on our Etsy shop, Raven Bookery. Happy reading!